0: and thank you for coming on Wednesday night. Tonight's uh, subject is rest. Uh, Pastor recently has taught on the on the body, and he has at least one other lesson, I believe, next week or the week after. Uh, maybe it's next week that he's going to be dealing with that and his his goal in in the lessons that he's teaching about the body is for us to understand how we need to be a healthy body, the body of Christ. And so we're narrowing it down tonight, and I'm I'm connecting it really with our individual bodies, our individual lives. And I'm going to talk about rest and I know when you start talking about a subject like this, in this day and time, it can be a struggle to even get our mind in that arena, but you can believe that the enemy seeks to pervert our understanding of everything, everything. He is a counterfeit angel of light, will literally try to pervert everything, even including this this topic. A couple of weeks ago, when my mind went to tonight, because I knew that I would be teaching, um, my mind went to this topic, and so Monday, I was starting to gather it uh, more together, and the thought hit me, you've taught on that here, like recently, and I was thinking, Uh, I don't think I have, and I was going back and forth on have I, have I not, and so I looked at my records the way I keep records. I couldn't find it, but it kept nagging at me. It's like, you've taught on this, and so I went to the archives um, on, on our website here and went to messages. Now, I don't know how many of you use that tool, but oh my goodness, there is so much on there, so much. And so I started scrolling back, and I and I literally scrolled back to 2017, searching to see if I had. And I was reading all of uh, all of pastors' you know sermons and lessons and all that. And I, I needed rest after reading all of those for that many years because I know what goes in. And some of you who minister in the pulpit, you know what just goes into one of those one of those topics and I was also I was also thinking about this um, well then whenever I was trying to decide have I then it hit me if you feel a leading to deal with this subject even if you dealt with it last week why are you questioning that so I was I was thinking about that, and that, and I'm going to get to the lesson, but I think this is very important also from where we are right now uh, with new life. And the, the truth is, is if pastor would come to the pulpit and preach the very same message that he preached the week before, that should be okay. It should be okay. It, it ought to be like, Okay, you know I got a little last week, and now we're gonna go deeper this week. It that literally should be, should be okay. Then I was thinking that this year I'm reading the Bible through chronologically, and so what what's happening now? I'm in the Gospels, and so now it's like Matthew telling you know it's it says this story this way in Matthew. Then I'm reading it also in Mark, the, it's same story, and then John, and so it's like it's like so much repeating. Well, then I consider the prophets. I mean, the prophets basically said just a ton of repeat. I mean, a single prophet, repeat, 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 and then another prophet comes along years later, repeat, repeat, repeat. And then I started thinking about some of these people who write songs. Uh, I have... I have heard the same song a few times. Have you? Are there any songs that that you've heard and so I got to thinking is a lesson or a message any less important? It's not. What what education is not what we hear, it's what we remember. And the key to it is repetition. Now the the bigger issue here is this, and I'm, uh, Pastor may hear that I've said this if he listens, or somebody may say this to him. It's almost a continuation of the vain Sunday morning. It's like he has to be released to just flow in the Spirit. Period. If it, if it was the same message for weeks, if, if it was him walking to the pulpit and feeling led of the Spirit to just open up the Bible and just start reading Scripture and then close the Bible and say, can we respond to the Word? What, what, we're, what we're after and what we want is not going to be conventional. Conventional it's not going to be conventional. We, we cannot talk and expect end-time revival and masses of people and not change methods. Is this making sense? I know I'm going slow. This Wow, I've already burned up a lot of time. Already and haven't even got to that. So when I was thinking about this today, I have I have a friend and I remembered him telling a story. He's in the fivefold ministry. He is uh, his name's Scott Shelton and he operates as a prophet and and he is the prophet to the to my brother's church. And so we're we're connected quite a bit. And I remembered him telling a story about about preaching from the same text in a meeting. Several times in a row. And so I texted him today. I say, hey Scott, I think I remember hearing you say that you, you know, that you did this, da da. And so he came back and, and, uh, yeah, he he sure did. He preached for, from the same text in Maryland at his pastor's church, his pastor's Chester Wright. And he preached from the same text. Three services a week for nine and a half months. The same he said every time I walked to the pulpit, the Lord spoke that same thing to me. For for nine and a half months, three times a week, same text. Same text. Have any of you ever been in a church where that happened? No, I haven't. Like never. And then and then he and then he told me this. And I'm going to tell this story, and then I am going to start teaching. He said, and so at the at the end of that, he said, one one Sunday morning, I was getting ready to preach. He said, and he leaned over to me and said, hey, he said, uh, I've got a few things I need to to you know line up, deal with the church here before you before you preach today. He said, okay. So he, he goes to the pulpit and he, you know, sets some things in order and took about 45 minutes doing it. And so now, then he turns it over and, and, uh, and Scott said, he said, I walked to the pulpit. He said, and the Lord just told me, be quiet. He said, and so I just stood there. He said, and, and one minute turned into two. He said, finally, I just closed my eyes. He said, and so other people, he said, I assume they started closing their eyes. He said, Terry, I stood in that pulpit for five minutes with my eyes closed. He said, and then the spirit said, yell, boo, as loud as you can in the microphone." He said, I said to the Lord, do what? He said, the spirit said, yell boo as loud as you can in the microphone. He said, I I knew what that voice sounded like. He said, I knew that it was of God. He goes, by now, there's a lot of people got their eyes closed. He said, and I just took a big, deep breath He said, I yelled boo as loud as I could. He said, I opened my eyes. (laughs) He said, in the ministry section where some of the, the care group leaders and all, he said, a few of them jumped up. A couple of them started running. He said, when I tell you the church went berserk, And seven people got the Holy Ghost. He said, that while it was just all going on, it was all going crazy. He said, I walked back over and Bishop Wright looked at me and he goes, boo? Really? Boo? He said, I just said, I'm just doing what I was told. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? spit and dirt mixed up and stuck in people's eye. That's crazy. That's crazy. Few fish and a few loaves. That's crazy. Folks, there's crazy all through this book. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, there's a lot of crazy. And I guess what I'm just trying to get in my mind and what I'm Uh, What I'm trying to get into is uh, just how much crazy are we going to allow, or are we going to just? I'm comfortable right here now, God, now God, now listen, I'm not on you. I'm, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm acting like I've got a therapist in front of me, and I'm just opening everything up. But it's like how how much of this, how much of this? Okay, let's teach. It is twelve minutes till seven, and you came uh, to hear a lesson so let's go let 's talk about rest rest is is quite a tough subject to present today and as soon as you mention it, uh, the bell goes off in our mind, and the ringing of the tune sounds something like this: There is no time to rest there there's none. My life is out of control. I can't rest. You don't understand my life stage. Uh, hey, Mr. Hair, standing in that pulpit, you obviously no longer have younger children running around, around your house. And to every bit of that, I say, you got a point. You have a point. But then there is the word. When we're talking about rest, and we're not, at, we're not in your handout, I'll tell you when we get there, but Isaiah 28 speaks of rest, and when it's speaking of it there, it's speaking of a resting place, comfortable, ease, and quiet. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, it speaks of rest, and it's, it's refresh, take rest, give rest, take ease. In Matthew eleven twenty-nine, 29, it speaks of rest as in an intermission. Now let's go to your handout. I think before we can really deal with this, first we must be positioned for rest. Positioned, you know there are there are many people who will never be effective in the spiritual in their spirit, or even in their natural life or emotional life because they won't get in position. There, there's a position to all of this. People desire things, but then putting yourself in position to actually be able to realize something, there's, there's, that, that goes beyond just thoughts and, and the head. So we must be positioned for rest. In your notes, Matthew six thirty three, I believe, is one of these positioning scriptures. See, he first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hebrews twelve and one, I believe, is another positioning scripture. Wherefore, seeing also we are, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And I guarantee you, Brother Foster, the way he can bring things out and teach in the Word, he could take Hebrews 12 and 1. How long do you think you could go on Hebrews 12 and 1, Brother Foster? About six months. It's that loaded. Uh, Matthew 6.33 would get you a few weeks. It's that loaded. These are, these are positioning scriptures. When our priorities are off, when we're not seeking first the kingdom, when we're weighted down with, with lesser things and things that will not matter, and when sin is eating away at us, we should be Restless. We should be, because God has so designed us to be restless when we're out of position. Does this make sense? Somewhere in Proverbs, I I can't bring up the uh, reference in my my head, but somewhere in Proverbs it says, uh, the wicked flee when no man pursues. The wicked flee when no man pursues. Listen, if you're giving yourself to wickedness, you've always got to be wondering who's going to find out. What, what do we have to hide? You know, you're guarding your phone like crazy. You're guarding your, comput- your computer like crazy. You're, you're guarding what you say. You, you see somebody else that you've talked to is talking to somebody else and your mind's spinning. What, what are they saying? Are they saying what I said? What, the wicked flee when no man pursues and you can believe wickedness will wear us out. And so now in this day we understand that that many are overwhelmed and for good reason because of life. But let's let's talk about rest. Let's deal with the lesser important first. But lesser does not mean not important. Excuse me. So, the first thing we're going to deal with is body rest. Number two in your notes, body rest. I read a leadership article lately, and, and the leader that's, that's a, a highly esteemed leader, he said one of the secret weapons of a leader is, is sleep. Sleep. Well, when we talk about rest and we talk about sleep... We need to first understand that God didn't rest on the seventh day of creation because He needed it. He didn't need to rest. But the reason why He rested was to show us what we needed, that that we would need rest. And he, He could have created every one of us to where we never needed rest, we never needed to sleep, but... He created us that we would need both. We are literally God designed for rest. God designed for rest. Now, when we look at the benefits of rest, and in this particular um, part, I'm actually talking about sleep. uh, Just a few medical revelations through the years that really just bring out how God created us from the very beginning. Uh, sleep, number one, it promotes healing. Yes, it does. Number two, it allows vital organs a break. This is the reason why it's so bad when we eat so late at night. I, that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard habit to break. But, but that's the reason why it's so bad. on that's, that's the reason why our health takes a hit when we're eating late at night, because when we go to bed, we might go to sleep, but our vital organs are not sleeping. They're still having to work. Number three, it provides an energy boost. Number four, it helps with a positive attitude. We see this in in babies and small children. You can just look at a baby you, you know and or a small child, you can just tell uh you know sometimes they need a whipping, but a lot of times they need sleep, you know they get they get cranky when they get tired, and I don't know if humans ever grow out of that there's there's just there's just sometimes. When you're around people that are cranky, you may just need to ask them if they need a blankie, and you may need to do that at your own risk, but maybe just hand somebody a pillow and, and a blanket. But there is something to this rest business. When we're looking on the medical side of this, when you start thinking about uh, sleep deprivation, it literally, proven medically, it damages our heart and circulatory systems, metabolic systems, immune system, nervous system, mental health. This is what a lack of sleep does. I don't, maybe somebody knows this. How, how many hours, like if you stay awake so many hours, when do you just start losing your mind? After what? Who's saying this? Four days. Four days. So if you if you literally stayed up for 4 days you would you would start losing your your mind. When you think about what sleep deprivation promotes, it promotes and these are these are just wonderful things. Type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, obstructive sleep apnea, vascular disease, stroke, heart attack, depression, anxiety. So so with all of this in mind what I've already said started with the body on this probably what we should do is I just should stop right now and we all should just spread out everywhere and take a nap just take a nap i I do remember one time i was I was uh speaking teaching on rest, and I later heard that- a man and i th- I've told this story I know I told this story it just flashed back to me here, and there was a man that said if he'd quit teaching, we could go home and get some rest and I was mentioning something about it months later in the pulpit and i and i said and i and I, he he sat on the risers over there, and I said, and I know Tommy Rogers, I know what you said. You, last time I was talking about this, you said if I'd be quiet, you could go get some sleep. So if you need to go to sleep, go ahead and go to sleep. When, when we're talking in your notes about enemies of rest, weariness is an enemy of rest, and weariness is a force to be reckoned with, and it comes from many sources, being weary. This is a very timely, fitting subject for 2022. 2022 we deal with this 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 is a real thing so there's weariness due to diet and you know boy what a great topic 2 weeks into november it's like that's not that's not timed well i weighed this morning and i was like terry you were you were supposed to be at least 10 pounds lighter the second week of November than what you are right now. You've seen this cycle enough. You know better than this. B, a lack of exercise. C, you know, and on the exercise thing, just do something. Walk extra. Do, do just keep moving. Do do something. Uh, C is, is a big one, and that is monotony monotony it's just it's just your your life is just into the same old same old it's just it's the same thing it's every morning it's the same routine it's home every it's the same routine for the most part it's the same people and unfortunately many times it's the same attitudes monotony just it's just monotony you know there might be times that you just need to tell somebody Look, I see that you're smiling. Would you just keep smiling and talk to me for five minutes? I just need, I need to talk to somebody for five minutes with a good attitude. So can you just talk to me about good things for five minutes? Break the monotony somewhat. Do something different. Drive to work a different way. Do something, just something to break the monotony because it will definitely definitely bring weariness. And then D is sustained over activity. I'm talking about weariness. Now, I can tell you this. The enemy loves it when we're weary. You make a lot of mistakes when you're worn out. A lot. When, when you're tired and, uh, man... You can make some mistakes. You can make some mistakes in your thinking. You can make mistakes in decisions. You can make mistakes in how you respond. There's, there's a lot of mistakes that are made whenever people are worn out. And so when we're talking about sustained overactivity, I understand seasons. There are some seasons that you go into in your life that are absolutely grueling and adjustments need to be made if at all possible, or weariness will take over. Now, there are two groups of people. I'm sure there's more, but there's two groups of people that I'm very concerned about, and and one is single moms. Uh, well, I'm concerned about young parents with young children, even if there's two parents in the home. Uh, this is This is craziness. What what we have gotten to now, the pace of life, what's expected, uh, it's it's crazy. And I don't know, it's going to take some guts to really deal with some things and cut some things out of our lives. And so I'm very concerned about that. But single moms, and then when families hit a situation where somebody goes down, they're terminally ill, or they have to have an you know unplanned surgery or uh, different things that happen where the home is just absolutely turned upside down, and and then somebody is thrown into keeping up with their life and now being a caregiver for someone else. Uh, why are you why are you saying all that? Because what we need to do, we really need to think past the surface when somebody gets on our radar for good or bad. Like, like when, when somebody ticks you off, somebody aggravates you, somebody snaps back, somebody's a jerk, um, it's better if we can kind of hold ourselves back and try to, to go below the surface. It's no telling what's going on in their life. Is this making sense at all? There are a lot of people that that are just worn out. Well, there's another enemy of um, of rest that we all love, and that's electricity. You you say, "Wow, that's a revelation." Well, I'm not interested in doing without electricity. But if you study history, a lot started going south for for the humans when when electricity was discovered cuz now we got lights and now we can sustain it used to be when the sun went down so did the people not now not not now we we can go 24/7 i mean they even talk about cities that that never sleep there's another major enemy of rest and that is the internet and media the internet and, and media. When, when, we, when we think about this, you, you know, there's, there's much I could say. There's just not a lot of time to say it. And besides, uh, some would probably be aggravated with my opinions on it. But let, let me just, just challenge you. Just track it for a week. Just track it. How much time are you spending on the internet and media how much how much screen time i i 'm not and i 'm not even i 'm not even saying you know uh, good or bad or or evil well I mean obviously we 're not supposed to be watching stuff that 's evil but but even but even good stuff i mean even how how much time because what's what 's happened is is when you get when you get into the internet world and the media world, whether it's Instagram, to, uh, you know, to whatever, just name name them all, any social platform, any screen type thing. It's like everything we're seeing, we're subconsciously comparing ourselves against it. Is this making sense at all? That dress, that house, that suit, that this, that that vacation, that boat, that, well, that camper, well, look at that vehicle, well, look at that vehicle, well, that that truck, that four-wheel, that golf cart, that, 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 and and what happens is, is, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's a continual, it's a continual, you don't measure up, you don't measure up, you don't measure up. you're you're lower. You don't don't measure up. This is nicer. They look better. Well, I know that we cannot extract ourselves from this world. I'm not teaching like that, but at least we can get it in our mind that some of this weariness that we're dealing with comes from some of that. I would just challenge you, track your time on it, and then, you know, if you want to take the step that I've taken, I've got a Permanent alarm that goes off on my phone at nine thirty every night, and and the alarm will go off. And any you know, if Braden's in the room, he goes get off the internet, Dad, or Kendra or Melanie. You know, time time to get off the internet. Internet down, whatever. Well, that's I need a reminder. Shut it down, even if I'm working or whatever. Now, in emergency situations, obviously I would, but that's the exception. The rule is at nine thirty. It's, it's time to cut screens. Well, why? Because I can just go and go and go and go and, until my eyes are burning. Literally, that's, that's what it is. And my goal is uh, to work it back to 8 o'clock. I'm, uh, that's that's going to be a chore. But uh, right now I'm at 9.30. We'll see how that goes. Okay, let's shift now to the real important one, and that is soul rest. Soul rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Brother Foster, that's, these are this another two verses you could get a couple months out of. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So here's, here's two key words with this yoked and learning. Yoked and learning. So it's, it's taking his yoke, and when we understand that a yoke is an instrument of unification for greater power and productivity. That's what a yoke is. A yoke is an instrument of unification, right? Brings forces together for what? Greater power and productivity. Yoke together. A yoke allows two to become pulling partners. When you're yoked, then that means you've got a partner in pulling that load. And so it would be very important for us to decide who is our pulling partner. Who who are we yoked with? He's saying, come unto me and be, be yoked to me. Now, this is the reason why it's so very important. And the word talks about not being what? unequally yoked. You know, it's one thing to have acquaintances and friends. It's, you know, it's one thing for that. It's a whole other issue to allow somebody in the other side of the yoke with you. You you don't need somebody that's going to be yoked with you that's pulling the other direction. You don't need somebody that's yoked with you that won't move. You, you don't need somebody that's yoked with you that, that has no interest in what you're trying to make of your life. And this is the reason why it's so important that we're first yoked to Jesus Christ. We make the decision to be yoked to Him, and then He makes the decision about us and them. Is this making sense? We first choose to be yoked to him, and then he will lead us to the them. But if we're not yoked to him first, then then it's no telling who we may end up getting yoked to. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely so frustrating to see young people with so much promise to to get older and then choose somebody to be yoked to for life that they're not you know they're not going to be pulling together the right direction they're going to be pulling two different directions and then over time we usually know who usually changes their mind and gives in to pulling the way that they were not intended to pull so when we yoke to Jesus Christ, when we're born again of water and spirit, when we're baptized in His name, we're filled with His Spirit, at this point, we're, we're bound in a deep relationship with Him, or at least we have the opportunity, and Jesus becomes our pulling partner. Now, we, we cannot make a, a better decision than that, to be yoked to Jesus Christ, don't have time to deal with this a lot, but, but before that we keep wasting our time trying to give people good advice, can, can we just start first with them on uh, how are you doing in your daily relationship with God? I mean, before that we spend another hour or hour and a half meeting somebody for coffee, can we just start where it matters or when we get to the table and they're pouring the coffee, can we just say, "Look, I know there's an issue here, and we're we're going to talk about it. And I'm your friend, but you know, friends don't let friends drive drunk, and and good spirit-filled friends don't let friends live empty. Is that making sense?" Oh well, they'll they'll think that I'm being holier than thou. They'll they'll think I'm being too spiritual. Are we have we ever swallowed a bunch of it? When we when we literally would would step back from letting that be the major issue. By thinking holier than thou being what what are some of the terms goody two shoes, holier than thou pharisee what whatever it's like it 's like no, no i the advice I will give you if you 're not yoked to him it 's just not going to help you it 's not going to help you it I literally got to the point whenever I was pastoring, that some people would come in for, for counseling. And I've, I've actually looked at people, and I've actually said this. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a choice. Do you want to feel good for 30 minutes, or do you want life change? I'm now to the point to where I'm qualified that I can do either. I can do either for you. I, if it's just feel good, I promise you. In 30 minutes I can have you feeling good. The problem's going to be you're not probably not going to feel good much over 30 more minutes. But do you want to feel good or do you want life change? We we've got to get folks to where we're like, listen, I'm just trying to help you. You're in trouble. Let's start where it matters. Let let's let's see if you're breathing. Well, you breathe through prayer. Let's see if you're eating. Well, you eat through the Word of God. So let's start right there, and then let's see where we can go. Can I get an amen from anybody? Please, I'm not talking about getting in. This is not about getting in people's faces. This is not about preaching them down. This is not about, you know, convicting. It's not about all of that. It's not about convicting. It's about connecting. It's about truly helping people. We cannot out-God God. And when we try to be God for people, we absolutely wear ourselves out and we do not help them. So when we're talking about being yoked to Jesus as our pulling partner, my, he's our intercessor, he's our advocate, he's the author and finisher of our, our faith. Here's what we have to remember. When we're yoked to Jesus Christ, he does the heavy pulling. It's, it's just like when we're talking about the Word of God. Let the Word of God do the heavy lifting. When people are having issues, go back to the Word of God. Let the Word of well, my grandma, well, my grandpa, well, my well, my well, my well. Okay, whoever, list them all. Good, love them. I'm glad they're great people. I've got good examples in my family. And I got bad examples in my lineage, and I could look at my good examples and thank God, thank God, thank God. But but it's the word. It's not, well, i tell you what my dad said. Well, what dad are you talking about? Now, if, if we're going to talk about my father, what my father said, if we're going to talk about what the king, King Jesus said, okay, I'm all ears. I appreciate all these great people in your life. But hold on one second. Who, who authored this? So, so why, why don't we take a shortcut? And just go straight to this. When we're yoked to Jesus, we begin to learn of Him. And we learn to be meek and lowly. And wow, that is a tough school. Um, hmm. I, have, I have failed so many classes in that. And I'm just trying to get better grades now. Meek speaks of being gentle and humble. Uh, when when we think, When I think... In my life of the times, that if I would have just been meek in that moment. If I would have just been mild and gentle instead of what I was. Wow. We we learn of this. Lowly speaks of the low degree and, and humility And there is no soul rest apart from learning to be meek and lowly. We must be positioned for soul rest. Please hear me. How do we do this? By being yoked to me. He said, come unto me. But there are people who think that if they can come in to a certain level of of making money, if they could come into their own camp, that they could run away every now and then on a weekend or if they could come into an rv or if they could just come into a uh, vacation at least once a year it'd be great if there could be two if they if they could just come in to all of these things that they would have rest no no Multi-millionaires are blowing their brains out. There, there are billionaires that, that have jumped out of buildings. It's, it's people who can fly anywhere, do anything they want, have all the money. I mean, literally modern-day Solomons, that if they wanted it, they could do it. Why? Because that's not the answer. And Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And, and guess what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. And so when we're yoked with him, that is definitely a lifetime learning experience. We become his student. Now, can we talk about some things we'll learn? Boy, it's a tough class. Some things we'll learn. We'll learn his way of life. We'll learn the baseline of contentment is food and clothes. Whoa. What? You mean to tell me if I have something to eat and something to wear, I'm supposed to be content? Based on the Bible, yes. We learn like Paul to be content no matter what life brings our way. Wait, now I didn't, I didn't say satisfied, I did, but, but a deep contentment. This, this is what we learn when we're yoked to him, and we will never learn it any other way. Never. We learn to go the extra mile. That's a tough one. We learn to turn the other cheek. And that doesn't mean what I heard so many times, and I even said years ago to somebody, I said, now I'm going to turn the other cheek. But once they hit me, they had better get out of there. Because they hit me once, but I don't think that's the context. We learn to forgive all men every trespass. Now, forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you just continually keep yourself in a position to be abused by them. So let's get that right. But we do learn to forgive. We learn we can only do all things through his strength. Now, take a deep breath because now now we're going into Matthew 544. It's not uh, on your notes. You can make a note of it. We learn to love our enemies. Whoa. We learn to bless those that curse us. We learn to do good to them that hate us. And we learn to pray for them that despitefully use and persecute us. Now, now time's about gone. I've got eight minutes. Now, do we, do we realize what we just said Um, Enemies, those that curse us, those that hate us, those that despitefully use us and persecute us. Now, you can do with this scripture whatever you want. But a few weeks ago, I, I have started putting people in these categories in my life. Yeah, I have. You want me to tell you why I have? Because I want to be right. I really want to be right. I think the stage of my life that I'm in right now, I think I've got more of of a desire to be right than I ever have ever in my life. I want to be right before God. And so literally, you know, my family will need to, Burn my if I die, they'll need to burn my computer or my journals or whatever. But but uh, I am identifying the people that I feel have been my enemy, and I've got to love them. I'm identifying the people that I believe have cursed me, and I am intentionally learning to bless them. Uh, People that hate me, I'm figuring out a way to do good to them. And people that have despitefully used me and persecuted me or my family, I'm learning to pray for them. Yeah, like intentionally. You know why? Because I want rest. I want rest. Rest. I I do not want to be chained emotionally, spiritually, in any way. I want rest. And that's the only way that I can find that I'm going to get rest deep down. The only way I see it can happen is to be yoked with him and learn of him. I don't know of another place we can find rest. We could literally teach looking for rest in all the wrong places. That's that's what we could do. And we've got to learn. Here's here's where, in all of this that God's doing, in, in the way God wants to use this church, use us, all that. Don't have time to repeat all that. But we have to be people who understand the source of our rest We have to be living in that rest and know how to guide people to that rest. So we learn of him. And as we learn of him, we disarm the power of the enemy in our lives and find soul rest. You shall find rest unto your souls. Let's finish up here. Number four. So we've talked about all this. So now we're going to talk about, we're going to finish with sustaining rest rest, sustaining rest. So true rest starts within. These are just some scriptures that if you're serious about this, I would, um, I would challenge you to spend some time on these scriptures. Exodus thirty three fourteen, and he said, "'My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest.'" Well, what that would say to me is, is let's not be doing anything that would separate us from his presence. If his presence goes with us, then we can find rest. And it would be very important that, that whatever we do is that that would position us for his presence. Psalms 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So, we see that patiently is a key word there, and there's much more in that one. Psalms 131 and 1, Lord, my heart is not, this is loaded, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters, or in things too high for me. Wow. My heart is not haughty. My eyes are not lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. There are a lot of people that they're, they can't find rest. Because they're always getting involved in things they have no business being involved in. And that's the reason why I talk about if we don't have spiritual authority, if we don't have positional authority, if we don't have relational authority, then just pray and encourage and leave all that into the hands of the people that have that in somebody's life. Isaiah 30 and 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and ye you would not. In repentance, in other words, in repentance and rest, you're going to be saved. In quietness, in trust, is your strength. These are key words. These scripture, these, this list of Scripture is life-changing. It's absolutely life-changing. Jeremiah 6 and 16. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths... Where is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said that we will not walk therein. Uh, when we're talking about ancient paths, get this, I'm closing. Ancient paths, old paths, long duration, uh, forever, everlasting, evermore, perpetual, old, ancient. The, the key here is never changing. Never changing. Never changing. This is not speaking of our personally preferred good old days. This, I was, my, my mother and I, we were talking today and, and we've been talking pretty deeply lately and, uh, and, you know, she's had a transitional time in her life. She's 86 years old. And so I was talking to her today and I said, mother, remember what we've talked about. Remember what we've talked about we all have good old days. Don't lock your head into your personal preferred good old days. I said, "What? what is that? And, and she, she wasn't doing that. So I'm just, I'm trying to help. I'm just trying to help her at this stage in her life. I'm saying, so what? Is everybody supposed to salute the 40s as the good old days? Is everybody supposed to salute the 50s? Are we supposed to salute the 60s? How about the 70s? How about the 80s? How about the 90s? I mean, everybody's got good old days. Everybody's got, it's not that. I, th- this is not talking about standing in the old paths, the good old days that you've decided were your good old days. It's not that. This is talking about the laws of God, the foundational things of God that were never supposed to change. And that's where we, we find rest. Last, last one. Whoa, I'm now officially over time. Isaiah 28, 10 through 12. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, What? This is the rest, wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. How about this term I'd I'd like for you to start considering? Consider this term. A refreshing tongue. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, right? And then what did he say? This is the rest. So maybe... Sometimes we ought to just kind of get by ourselves and uh, just start praising God, you know, instead of flipping out, instead of going crazy, take a drive. Why don't, we, why don't we work on being able to enter into that rest and let those stammering lips and another tongue refresh us? talking about rest. I'm talking about rest. Bible-based rest. We're going to need to understand this. We're going to need to understand how to help people focus their life into a life where there's rest. We have to be positioned, and we have to help people be positioned. Amen? Can we stand together, and why don't we just thank God for His Word? Father, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that your word is as real and clear and directive today as it was the day you spoke to your holy prophets. Lord, your word is quick and powerful, meaning that it is alive and it's powerful. I pray that people in this sanctuary or people that may see this recording years from now, that that we would just be prompted in our spirit to do it your way. You made us. You, you know how we will operate best. Help us to go by what you say. In Jesus' name, and can the church shout amen.